This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as well as our campuses joining with us over in Stevens Point and in the Fox Valley. And all the people watching us at home, good to have you with us. Uh, let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. It's who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Again, good to have you all with us uh, at our campuses and for many uh, who are still gathering at home, although more and more people are gathering in person. It's good to have everybody here. Uh, we wish you all well. As everyone knows, you know, the whole COVID thing is going crazy, whatever. That's the words they're using, panic, whatever, massive thing in Wisconsin. Uh, and, and I know of people who've been getting it. The good news is virtually everyone I know, well, actually not virtually, everyone I know who's gotten it has just been sick for a few days and then they've been fine. That they don't tell us on the news. That irritates me to no end. They just talk about how many people got positive. Well, how many were sick? I mean, needed to be hospitalized. That's really what we should be talking about. I really think this thing has been terribly, terribly politicized and emotions on both sides and maskers and anti-maskers don't like each other. <laughs> and it's been kind of crazy. So uh, anyway, everyone just uh, continue to be as kind as you can be. We're going to talk about that in a little bit uh, in our message this morning. Uh, and, uh, and our best to you. And if you get sick or something, let us know so that we can pray for you. How many of you get sick? You want someone to pray for you? Yes, the rest of you want to die. So anyway, uh, <laughs> hey, it's your choice. So... Uh, but let us know, and we'll be happy to pray for you and, uh, and hang in there with you as whatever trials and struggles you go through. Uh, again, the good news is 99 point whatever percent of people are fine. They get this. There's a small percentage, and it breaks people's hearts when someone you love is caught up and it takes them. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's life, huh? That's why we put our hope and trust in God. This is not heaven. We're just passing through this place. Everybody say, thank God. Yeah, I know. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> and the only good throughout all this is uh, heaven's looking a lot more appealing. <laughs> because people have lost their ever-loving minds down here. 
And uh, the good news is we're all going to die and get out of here. Anyway, I um, want to, quickly before we go any further, encourage you to join with us in our morning offering this morning. More and more of you have been giving uh, through recurrent giving, and we appreciate it. That's the best situation for your church, is that you go on and you sign up at our website for recurring giving, and then you say every week, every month, however you want to do it, you know, this is how much I'm going to give, and then you, you take care of that. You know, actually, our, our church has been really amazingly set well. I mean, nobody knew what was coming, you know, because I'm not that smart. But uh, the fact that we have been so disciplined in moving to digital platforms and doing service via video and stuff like that, that when this thing hit, we didn't skip a beat. I mean, just when they shut everything down, next Sunday was just like every other Sunday that we do, except I was just preaching just to Becky. And uh, so our churches everywhere were scrambling like crazy. They had no way of doing online services, and you know, pastors were doing sermons from their you know, basements look like a Bin Laden video from Afghanistan or something. And uh, God, I mean, that's all they had. God bless them. But ours looked exactly the same. You remember, it was like it, nothing. And so we were actually ahead of the curve. Very few times in my life have I been ahead of the curve. I'm usually following behind, trying to catch up quickly. But in this case, we were way ahead on everything. So this is very helpful to us. Uh, uh, and the, for those of you who uh, still want to give, you can give at your campuses on the way out the doors and the, and the buckets and stuff. A lot of people still send in via mail, good old-fashioned mail, snail mail, and we appreciate that. And then there's, of course, the option to give by phone, and we encourage a lot of people to do that. All you have to do is pick up your phone. You can do it right now and go to your uh, text messages and send a message to this number, 77977. That's the number, 77977. Not with a 920 area code or anything else. You have to do these things exactly uh, I keep saying this because a lot of people still can't quite figure it out. I don't know what the problem is, but it's pretty simple. 77977. And then in the message, type CCWI. Not give to CCWI. Not here's my money. Not Pastor Mark is really cute today. None of that, though it may be true. What we need is just CCWI. That's the only thing he's going to recognize. And then the dollar amount. And whether or not you put the dollar sign is irrelevant, I think, right? So that doesn't, that doesn't, so... 77977, the message you're sending, CCWI, and then the dollar amount. And, uh, and it'll continue to help us as, as we plow through. Continue to support the kingdom of God, particularly in these crazy times. All right. Um, this morning, reading from the Old Testament, <clears throat> starting in Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 20. Starting at verse 1. Now, we have been following Moses and the children of Israel going through the wilderness. It should have been a short trip to the promised land. But these guys kept messing up, and God just was having such a fit with them. And basically, they stuck him out. he stuck them out there for 40 years. said, you guys not going to even get into the promised land. After everything that I did for you, I'm just going to y'all die, and then I'll send your kids in. So that's what they did. So we pick it up. It says, on the first month of the whole assembly... Uh, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Miriam was Moses and Aaron's uh, older sister. Okay, and she was involved. The Bible, if you, if you read the scriptures, you'll see that the Bible is very pro-family. I mean, it really is. There's something in this country we don't like about families 
benefits. And some get a little crazy and, and out of control. But uh, it was a very strong family. You got Moses, you got Aaron, his brother, you got Miriam, the sister. I mean, they're all Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're all related to each other. Uh, it wasn't Abraham, Bob, and Luis. You know what I'm saying? There was family. It was family. Even Jesus comes, and the head of the church in the book of Acts eventually becomes James, who was Jesus' half-brother. I mean, it's very, very strong, and uh, we see this throughout the entire scriptures. So anyway, um, Miriam dies. Now, there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. This was their <laughs> typical behavior. They never learned. They would, since the beginning of all of this, every time they needed something, God, uh, uh, Moses would pray to God, and God would give them an answer and give them a miracle. You would think every time they'd get into trouble, something would go wrong, they would come to say, Moses, would you go pray for us? Because that changes stuff, right? Prayer changes things. That's what I'm saying. You want things to change, you got to pray. But they never got it. No matter how many times, every time something would go wrong, they would freak. They would panic. They would complain. And you have to understand, it's not panic and crying and screaming and yelling and groaning that gets God to move on your behalf. Somebody say amen. And a lot of us are good at that. Something goes wrong and we cry and freak and panic. Oh, pastor, tears streaming. Look, we will pray with you. We'll cry with you. I'll do your funeral, whatever you want. All right? But at some point, you got to snap out of it. Okay? You need to have faith. Crying and panicking, even if you're crying and panicking to God, is not faith. At some point, you got to shift out of panic into faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. Uh, and in this situation, so here they are panicking as usual. They never quite got this. And then they started arguing with Moses, said, only if we died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord, which was the last time they were acting up. Oh, why did you bring the Lord's community into the wilderness? Why, oh, why, oh, why? That we and our livestock should die here. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place that has no grain, no figs, no Starbucks, no, you know, Walgreens, there's nothing around here. And there's no water to drink. That was their main complaint. And all of this was legit. They didn't have any of these things, and there was no water. So it wasn't like what they were asking for was out of line. It's the way they would react to the problems. Are you catching me? The way you react to the problems. God understands problems. In fact, Jesus was very, very clear with this. He says, in this life, you will have problems. All right? So don't, don't panic. Don't freak out when things go wrong. You know, I think it was Peter who wrote, don't act as though some strange thing is happening to you. And how many of us, when something goes wrong, it's a shock. We're just, and I'm shocked by people who are shocked when things go wrong. I think, what planet do you live on? In fact, I get nervous when things go too calm for a long time. I think, oh man, something's got to be hitting the fan pretty soon around here. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> well, that's not faith. I know, but what the heck, you know? I, I'm not kidding you. I seriously do. If it goes really long for a while, you know, I'll say, it's getting a little too quiet out here, you know? So something's going to go off somewhere. And when something, boom, you know, I'm like, oh, there we go. There it is. Hallelujah. Time to pray and trust God. All right. So anyway, Moses and Aaron. They do what they've always done, which these people should have gotten the clue. They went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting. This is where they prayed. They fell face down. The glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, 
Look, just take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Uh, speak to the rock that's there before their eyes and it will pour out water. And you'll bring water out of the rock for the community so, them, so they and their livestock can drink. So God says, okay, this is a very cool miracle. We had this once before, right? So he says, just whatever, go talk to this rock and boom. And I don't know if water actually came out of the rock itself or the rock blew out of the way as the water came out. Who knows? I wasn't there despite my advanced age. All right. So Moses took the staff from the presence of the Lord, just as he commanded. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. Come, everyone, let's all gather together. And then he says, listen to me, you bunch of whining belly acres. You rebels, you slackers, what's wrong with you people? He is furious with them. You notice God was not furious. But Moses said, just hit it. You bunch of rebels. Do we have to bring water out of this rock? And then Moses raised his arm and he hit the rock and he hit it again. And then water gushed out and everybody had their drink. The problem here is God didn't tell him to yell at the people and God didn't tell him to hit the rock. He told him, just speak to the rock. So the next verse, it says, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give you. So the whole thing is he bringing them into the promised land, right, right? After this, one episode, God says, all right, you're not going to the promised land now just because of this. Now, before you get terribly discouraged, because a lot of us, you know, that's kind of a technicality to us. I mean, if you're doomed for technicalities, I'm a, <laughs> I don't stand a chance. <laughs> I rarely get things right, you know what I'm saying? But you got to put it in context. The Bible teaches us, to whom much is given, much is required, okay? If you are sitting literally talking to God face to face, you better follow the directions, all right? Now, some people say, oh, I wish I could do that. I don't ever want to do that because at least now I can claim ignorance because I am ignorant. <laughs> if I don't get it quite right, I go, I'm sorry, I didn't know what was going on. You know, I'll figure it out. But when God himself sits and chats with you and says, I want you to do ABC and you do CDE, you're going to be in trouble. And that's why it happened that way to Moses. We jump all the way to Deuteronomy now, chapter 34. This is the death of Moses. It says, then Moses climbed Mount Nebo. Nebo. Sounds like a Disney film. From the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah. <laughs> I should look up the, how to say these names. I have no idea. Anyway, across to Jericho, and from Jericho. Then there the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim, not up in Door County, but over there, and, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the whole region of the Valley of Jericho, the city of, of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promise on oath I will give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over it. So, <laughs> he shows them everything. See all this? Yeah, you don't get it. <laughs> Why would he do that? I don't know. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. Or maybe Moses at least wanted to see it. Let's look at it from the positive. Anyway, and then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said, and he buried him in Moab. The only time we have recorded that God actually buried 
someone. Now, did God himself dig a hole? Highly unlikely. I'm sure some angels came and did it uh, or whatever they did. Uh, but to, to this day, it says no one knows where his grave is. There is no grave for Moses anywhere because uh, they don't know he has a grave. It's not like the Lord Jesus who doesn't have a grave because he rose from the dead, but they don't know where it is. Uh, Moses was uh, close to my age, 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. He was in good shape. The, and the Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for how long? 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Typical mourning nowadays is much more extended in our culture. Back then, they did, the typical grieving time was a week if someone died. Seems a little cold, doesn't it? You know, and for Moses, he was a big dude, so they went a whole 30 days. Still a little shocking to us. Uh, not sure why. Culture is different. Uh, anyway, it's, it was what it is. 30 days they cried, and then they moved on. Um, and if you have sadness for more than 30 days, you're fine. Don't feel bad about it. It's just this is the way it was. Anyway, so this morning I want to talk to you about what we just saw here is Moses does the right thing, but he does it in the wrong way. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Ouch is what I would say, because this has clearly been the story of my life, frequently doing something that we believe is right, and oftentimes can be argued, it is right, and some would even say, you know, you were right, but you do it in the wrong way. And this is what got Moses in trouble with God. It is hard to not let your personal feelings affect you in dealing with people. People are a problem. <laughs> Said all the people. You know, and <laughs> it is what it is, right? Life would be so easy if it wasn't for people. People can drive you crazy. And it is what it is, but yet we are commanded to love people. It's like, oh, for heaven's sakes. So we struggle, um, certainly I struggle at times to love people. I will say things I think are the right things to say, but often I will do it in a wrong way. And then I got to repent later for losing my marbles over something. And, uh, and man, if that isn't happening today, you know, with all this political nonsense, you can't discuss anything today. Everybody has, I don't know if you can even sway anybody's opinion at this point. You know, trying to share your opinion is like jumping out in the highway in front of a semi going, stop. You know, you, you know, you're just going to die. I mean, you just, you know, people are baked in at this point. I have no idea how this thing's going to go in a week and a half. But as I said last week, God already knows what's going to happen. And it will not be the end of the world if your guy doesn't win. Check your medication. All right? God is a big guy. I'm seriously. Thank you. One person clapping for me. So those people, my guy better win or it's going to be all of it. No, just relax. All right? And I know every, you know, this, this, is the, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Those of you who've been around for a while, isn't that what they say every election? You know, for the last 50 years, this is the most important. About, apparently, they're all the most important. So the thing is, whoever you, we've had Democrats, we've had Republicans, we've had crazy people, we have not so crazy people. We've got a wild and crazy one right now. I find him highly entertaining personally. But, uh, you know, life goes on. Somebody say amen. 
Thank, thankfully, politics is not our answer. You know, everybody's running around, and, and I don't know why people are so obsessed with trying to get the government to fix stuff. Yeah, that's who you want fixing stuff. They're really good at it. <laughs> Hence my enjoyment for the current wild and crazy guy, you know. So uh, anyway, if you get mad about that, send an email to Becky <laughs> at celebrationchurch.tv. She, she would love to hear you go off. Uh, Paul, the apostle, had to deal with people. And uh, we read in 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter, verse 5, he says, As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed, nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. We had every right to demand some things out of you people. But we were gentle among you like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Here Paul is talking about, even though he could have been very stern and had the right to be stern, that most of the time he was very, very gentle. There are times when you read in the New Testament where Paul did go off on people. Again, these are my favorite parts. <laughs> because, you know, and, and there were times where stuff would really hit the van. Uh, you know, I think of Ananias and Sapphira. You remember these two? These two came to, to Peter, and they were lying. Nobody knew they were lying. And then they both dropped dead. That would get people's attention, right? But a whole lot of people weren't lying after that, you know? And uh, sometimes I think, Lord, we need some of this, but then I think I'd be the first one to die, so then I back off. People, I heard, I heard one Lutheran pastor preach once, and he says, uh, I, I really love Jesus, but he's got the worst friends. And uh, talking about people, right? So anyway, um, so as I mentioned a few weeks ago, we're very much a tribal culture today. People don't really connect with the people they live right next door to. I don't even know the names of most of the people around me. We're just, most people are not connected to their neighborhoods and stuff anymore like they used to be. We're very tribal in, depending on whatever it is, we hang with the people who think like us and who act like us. And if you're in our little circle, we've got all kinds of them, then we're your friend, you're our friend. We travel and uh, all over the place, and all I got to do is see somebody in the middle of Arizona wearing a Greenway Packers hat. That's my brother. You know what I'm saying? And I go, yo, dude, the pack, yeah, man, you. I don't even know this guy. He could be an axe murderer and probably is, but I like him because he's got the right color on, right? That kind of thing. Everybody's got their little groups and sometimes it's family is our group. Some people, definitely not family. <laughs> we don't even like our families and then we find somebody else, okay? So we know that we should be nice to people in our groups, but not so much to people outside of our groups. And uh, we can say the right things to them, but oftentimes we catch ourselves saying it in the wrong way. Um, Luke, the 10th chapter, verse 25. Uh, Just then the lawyer stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says to him, 
well, what is it written in the law? What do you read there? And the guy answered, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, well, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Well, the guy goes, okay, just a minute. Just a minute. Who exactly is my neighbor? All right? Because he wasn't, you know, Mr. Rogers. Remember? Wouldn't you be, won't you be, would you be my neighbor? They, he, they had certain people could be my neighbor, and then these other people, I don't want these people. And uh, so, love my neighbor, oh, yeah, okay, but who, who is in that category? And then Jesus gives this very famous parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus replied, well, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And, and he walks around, he's got this bleeding and icky stuff, you know, coming out of him, and he, he walks around. So likewise, a Levite, another very religious person, when he came to that place and saw him, he, he passed by on the other side. But then a Samaritan, now, the Jews didn't like Samaritans. Jesus knew they didn't like the Samaritans. They were kind of the half-breeds of the Jewish people. They looked down on them very harshly. Jesus said, a Samaritan, while he was traveling, comes near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, said, here, here's my credit card, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Anything beyond this, when I come back, I'll cover it. And, and, and Jesus said, well, which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell among the hands of robbers? And he said, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. And everybody's your neighbor, and particularly those who are in need. You know, we all have our reasons why we want to walk around people, right? Uh, you know, they're, you know, I'm not going, he's, he's not wearing a mask. I'm not having to do anything with him, you know, or this guy is wearing a mask. You're a bunch of crazy people. I don't want to wear that, you know, or, you know, who are you voting for? Biden? No, I'm not getting anywhere near you. You know, and Trump, you're insane. Have you lost your mind? And, you know, everybody's doing all these wide swings, right? Nobody wants to be around anybody, you know, and, you know, if you're a Vikings fan, I understand that, you know, because <laughs> My grandson's a Vikings fan. You can walk around him this morning and try to avoid him as much as you can. <laughs> he says to me yesterday, someday they have to win. I just know someday they have to win. <laughs> we'll pray for you. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, reasons why we get around people. And, and then we totally justify it. I don't have to be nice to this person because, boom, I don't have to be kind to someone because of the way they think or the way they act or what tribe they belong to or what team they root for or what political persuasions or anything, you know, and, and we've just, we're living in a very, very mean, mean world today. Fine, it is what it is. The sinful nature is popping out. But we shouldn't be like that. And it's hard not to because people, you just want to smack them. And I think you can still make your points. I'm always telling people what I think and it gets me in trouble all the time. <laughs> 
But I'm not trying to be mean about it. You can say what you, but don't be harsh and nasty and, you know. And say, Pastor, do you ever mess up in this area? All the time. All the time. This is, I'm, I hated putting the sermon together because I'm the biggest problem I know in this area. <laughs> I just, oh, man, I'm serious. We were watching some movie the other night with the kids. What was it called? Uh, Winn-Dixie. Anybody see this movie, Winn-Dixie? Not a dog. <laughs> God bless all you dog people. Uh, anyway, there's this little old lady in the movie, and she's taking the girl out, and in her backyard is this tree, and there's bottles hanging from the tree. And the little girl says, what are all these things? She goes, these are all the things that I've done wrong. And I'm looking at Lord, if I had a tree like that, it'd fall over. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> be glass busted everywhere. <laughs> just, I'd be borrowing the neighbor's trees. They'd be falling over, you know. So it was impressive that she only had so many bottles. But man, I, I got my issues. James, the third chapter. James writes this. This is the half-brother of Jesus, by the way. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Anybody relate to that? He says, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect. And everybody messes up in this area. He uses this analogy in verse 3. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses, we, we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, and we can turn the whole animal. Unless I'm directing the stupid animal. It never goes where I want. I don't know. I'm not a big horse guy either. <laughs> Everybody's going to leave the church. He hates dogs and horses. What's the matter with this guy? <laughs> the last horse I was on. He just took off like a bat out of hill. And I, and I am pulling, stop, stop the more. Pull the faster you went. And then he starts running down this hill full speed. I'm like, ah! And he's headed for this big open mud pile. And at the last second, he goes, gee. And I go flying through the air. Ah! I don't like horses. All right. So anyway. <laughs> Normally, you can make a horse behave with a very small bridle. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, he says, the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. You want to jack up your life? Just don't pay attention to what you say. And we said all kinds of fires that just make life. How many have said things and seen the fires going out of control before. Man, that's, you know, I've done it so many times. So he's warning us, be careful, careful with what you say. Uh, again, you can speak truth to people, but be nice about it and don't get out of control. And uh, anyway, that's all I got to say for today. <laughs> I'll stop before I say something mean. All right. Let's uh, go to our time of communion. Our musicians come, come out and all of us at our campuses get ready to uh, uh, join in with communion. You know, what's great about, you say, well, you talk about this, 
you know, lightly, and well, that's just what I do, but the reality is I'm sincere. I, I, I really struggle with this, and I'm asking God to make me a better person, and, uh, and we should all strive, you know. There's two ways. You can either sit there and get discouraged because you don't succeed in an area, or you connect with grace that pulls you to a higher level, and you can become a better person. I say, what do you do if you make mistakes? Well, that's what we have forgiveness for. This is what we celebrate when we gather together and we take communion. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. His body was broken so we could be put back together. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. And Paul, when he writes about uh, communion, he tells us to examine ourselves. Before we take what he calls the body and the blood of the Lord, examine yourself and then only eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So this is the time where we just do a self-check. And we ask God to forgive us for mistakes that we have made and, uh, and get things set right with him. So let's all bow our heads in a word of prayer. I just want to pray a, a prayer of forgiveness for all of us watching at home and at our campuses and here. Let's pray this together, or not together, let me pray for you. Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, something we've done, something we, we didn't do that we should have done, if we haven't loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we ask you to have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. And maybe as we're in a state of prayer, maybe you can just whisper to God as the Holy Spirit makes aware some areas that you've messed up and just ask him to forgive you. And if you've never asked Jesus Christ in your life, right now, just where you're at, in our campuses here, online, at home, around the world, listening to us right now, just ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And you can start to celebrate this wonderful gift of forgiveness that we have been celebrating all morning.